of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rowan County, Tennessee. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. As always, I am honored and humbled by you listening in. Uh, those of you who take the time to listen to the podcast, thank you so much for tracking down the show and listening. Uh, let me remind you to uh, hit the subscribe button, and if ratings are permitted, uh, please feel free to put as high a rating as you feel comfortable doing. But if it's less than three stars, eh, don't bother. <laughs> anyway, and uh, thank you so much if you're listening uh, on Terrestrial Radio. Uh, now, if that's the case, you're listening to a rebroadcast because uh, the previous uh, stations that we were involved with that would do live simulcasts are no longer broadcasting, unfortunately. However, uh, there is hope. Hope springs eternal that there may be a return uh, to that. I uh, do want to give a special shout-out to those of you listening at KYAH 540 AM Utah's Talk Authority. As going into the new year, scheduling changes will occur. Uh, we'll be going back to the Monday through Friday bit. Uh, we had an issue where been due to the uh, forced hiatus of the show, uh, got taken off the Monday through Friday bit, uh, understandably so. I mean, uh, you guys don't want to continue to keep hearing old broadcasts that became terribly, terribly dated. And when you do politics, uh, you know, some of the interviews are timeless. Uh, some of the storylines circle back around 
but it does get dated pretty quickly. So uh, completely understanding there. I, I just appreciate the, the fine folks over at KYAH for keeping the show on the weekend spot. But as the beginning of next year, we're going to be going back to Monday through Friday, and we will be bringing uh, fresh content. It will still be rebroadcast, and I would imagine I'll just keep doing a two-hour show, and uh, you'll still get one-hour snippets most likely. However, we'll, we'll work around that. We'll see what happens. Uh, so if you are listening, however, uh, on uh, KYAH, uh, the time of the live broadcast, just in case some of this sounds a little dated by the time you hear it, happens to be December the 2nd. It's 2021, and man, oh man, things are happening. First of all, congratulations, you made it through Thanksgiving, if you're here listening uh, with us today. Not necessarily a small feat this year. Now, every year, it feels like uh, I have spent time lamenting the fact that uh, the media and, of course, the retail societies of America, they want to push right past Thanksgiving. They want to go straight from Halloween, where they sell a lot of candy, unless you're a grocery store. Grocery stores still love Thanksgiving. They're selling a lot of food. Uh, but uh, if you're a retailer, you go straight after selling all the candy for Halloween right into Christmas. This past year, though, and you can blame COVID for it if you want to. You can blame all the restrictions and the economic slowdowns previously if you want to. But it really did seem like a majority of places, not just one or two this year, but a majority of places, or retailers in particular, went straight to Christmas right after Labor Day. It's like, uh, guys, yo, yeah, I get it. Uh, summer is over. <laughs> it's the unofficial end of summer. I get it. But you don't go straight to Christmas. I'm sorry. Uh, starting Black Friday sales at the beginning of November is a little silly, too. Granted, these folks got to make money, though. I mean, they are in business. And no matter what the leftists will tell you, uh, if you don't make a profit, you're not going to be in business for long. Period. End of that discussion. So, you know, good luck to the folks still hanging in. So here we are. Now, what some of the things that have happened since last we spoke, uh, there was a uh, parade. There was a parade in Wisconsin. And this gentleman decided to go running through it. Now, we that happened before our last visit here, uh, before the last time I was behind this microphone. But a lot of the information about the motivations and about the accused, although, you know, it seems so silly to refer to somebody as accused when you're caught red-handed. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll leave those journalistic integrity points in place, I suppose. I mean, CNN, they won't do it. I mean, ooh, we're going to indefinitely suspend not Fredo. I mean, Chris Cuomo, because of what came out there. But we had this uh, situation arise where now we know a little bit more about this individual that started mowing down people at the parade. Killed folks. People still dying. Some of them are kids. Mostly because this guy, as it turns out, is in fact based on his Facebook postings and his other social media postings. Uh, pretty much what we'd have no choice but to refer to as a black supremacist. So is this a terrorist attack? Should there at least be an investigation? Well, I know if this was Charlottesville, there'd be a federal investigation. I know if this happened at the Capitol building on January 6th, there'd be a federal investigation. 
a federal investigation here. No, no. In fact, the media wants to stop talking about it. Uh, everybody on the left in uh, U.S. politics wants to stop talking about it. They just want to move on. Let's forget it even happened. This guy has the nerve to, to make a public statement and says, I'm being demonized. Yeah, dude, you don't want to be demonized. Stop acting like a demon. This dude legitimately, legitimately, two weeks prior, or was it even two weeks? Two weeks prior, mowed down his baby mama in the same red SUV that he uh, attacked this parade with. Shouldn't have been, was out on a $1,000 bail. The police report on the incident where he mowed down his baby mama, who survived, by the way. I mean, she's a very durable uh, lady, and so fortunately uh, she lived, but he did run her down. Uh, the police report legitimately says uh, in the observations for the police officer, uh, clear tire marks present on the victim's leg. Yeah, clear tire marks. Um, it, it makes me want to do my Shaggy and Scooby-Doo impersonation. I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm going, like, it seems like there's a clue, Scoob. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's a bad dude. <laughs> ah, except then I realized there's nothing funny about this. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. This was a situation where we talked last time we were together about what the DA who released this guy said several years ago. Yeah, if we keep doing this, people are going to die. Well, he was right. Turns out it didn't take a psychic after all. Just took a reasonable person who spent two and a half seconds thinking about it. Now, the unreasonable part is he'd made the statement that uh, that doesn't negate the process. Yeah, I kind of think it does. You literally have the White House press secretary, Ms. Jen Psaki, trying to blame the rash of smash-and-grab looting style slash organized shoplifting, uh, trying to blame that on uh, COVID. It's got nothing to do with leftist policies. It's got nothing to do with slap on the wrist. It's got nothing to do with we're just going to write you a ticket if you steal stuff valued right up to $999. As soon as you break a thousand, well, then we have to treat it a little differently. But we're just writing you a ticket. And, and you know what? If you don't show up at your court date, uh, we don't have the resources to track you down anyway. So no repercussions. Yeah, absolutely no way. No way at all that these leftist policies have anything at all to do with any of that. Now we've got Omicron. Omicron. How many people have had fun saying Omicron? Everybody except for a barely there Beijing Biden, right? Because he's not quite saying it correctly. Still doesn't. I can't even emulate how he's mispronouncing it. But it is insane. The insane part, of course, is that the left wants you to panic again. Panic porn is back. Just when you were starting to miss the COVID panic porn, it's back. And this time it's super angry because it's Omicron. 
Can we finally admit that this is completely and totally political? Can we get to that point? I, I've been acknowledging it for a while here. I know several other people who've been doing it. But can we just across the board in general admit that all the reactions are purely political? I mean, what other choice do you have? Omicron is not a scary variant. Oh, it seems to be even more readily uh, contagious than Delta was. And Delta was twice what the original COVID-19 was. Come on, guys. Also, as far as we can tell, just like what normally happens with viruses in the real world, the more contagious it gets, which is always a goal for the virus. The virus, it has the sole purpose of infecting new people so it can continue to spread itself and grow. And, and, and that's what viruses do. They also try to become, the, the more contagious they are, they typically try to become less mortal. It's not a mortality rate that you must fear. Because the other thing the virus wants is it wants to make sure it doesn't kill the host so fast that it doesn't get to populate and repopulate and repopulate as much as it can. This is the natural cycle of life. The overwhelming majority of viruses follow this precept. We've seen it for centuries. We weren't always able to quantify it. But for the last 50 years plus, once modern medicine got to the point where it could, it has been fairly well documented that 98% of all viruses follow this same trend. They mutate. Ooh, scary. New variants arise. Some of them become endemic. Like, I don't know, let's say the flu. They become endemic, meaning that they will uh, keep coming up with new strains all the time, and you're going to keep getting infected. It's never going away. But you typically don't have to do a whole lot anyway because either you're healthy enough to fight it off or you're not. Seems kind of cold and callous, but hey, pre-COVID, we were all about, eh, let's live life. Now, we were sold a bill of goods with COVID-19 about how dangerous it was. And it is for people in certain categories. If you're over a certain age, okay, you could be at high risk. If you have certain comorbidities, now you're at a higher risk. If you have multiple comorbidities, then you're at yet a higher risk. If you're really old and have multiple comorbidities, you better do something to keep from getting it. But people in those situations, if they got a bad case of the flu, the end result would probably be very similar. Now, we've talked about this, and of course, every time somebody says something like that, well, you get banned from social media we get banned from social platforms. We get banned for spreading misinformation, even though in their case, the misinformation isn't false. It isn't wrong. It's just not the information those folks want you sharing because that's the information that might possibly prevent you from panicking, thereby ruining their panic porn. Sorry, guys. We know you're holding on to that dream of scaring everyone into submission. But the United States of America is done. We're, we're over it. Even people who had been triple masking and double fully vaxxed 
are starting to say, guys, seriously, when does it end? It's still early. It's still very early, so we don't want to get too carried away. But everything we've got from Omicron to this point indicates that COVID is actually following the same pattern we typically see with most viruses, becoming more transmissible and less deadly. If that continues to be the case, if that continues to hold serve, then rather than listening to Anthony Fauci, who still insists it may become necessary to be triple vaxxed, to be considered fully vaxxed, or we may need to do more lockdowns, or we may need to do some other um, ridiculously imagined policy that's already been done. And, oh, by the way, looking at everyone else who's done it around the world, it didn't do anything. Instead of listening to that guy, maybe we should take some, some, some brief joy. It's almost a Christmas miracle because Omicron, if this continues to hold, if this continues to be the case, more transmissible but less deadly, then that means that this is the turning point. We've literally got to the point where every case that's been recorded so far has been extremely mild. We have finally, uh, as of just yesterday, I believe it was, got the first reported case in the United States. But they were already hitting the panic button like crazy right here in the United States a week. Okay, it was a few days. It felt like a week. A few days before we had our first reported case here, they were hitting the panic button so hard the state of New York declared a state of emergency over Omicron. Something that hadn't even been, and I still don't think it's been discovered in New York yet. It's not here yet, but we're in a state of emergency. These people don't know what an emergency is. It's sad. It really is tragic. These people really, really want to get. And again, uh, can we admit how political COVID has been from the beginning just based on the fact that we're on Omicron? In case you haven't heard. I highly recommend you check out the complete Greek alphabet. See, just as a reminder, I know most of the regular listeners of this show are fully aware of this, but we started calling COVID-19 and the different variants in relationship to where they were discovered because that's been standard practice when it comes to disease forever. It's not an insult. It's not racist. It's not bigoted in any way. It's just, okay, this is where we first isolated this case. So, hey, this flu is the Spanish flu. This flu is the Metropolitan flu. Yeah, you know what I'm saying here, right? So uh, instead of the Indian variants and the English variants and the, the variant variant, we decided, well, someone decided for us to simply start referring to them as Greek letters. This is the Alpha variant. This is the Beta variant. This is the Delta variant. So on and so forth. And of course, we had the gamma variant. We had the lambda variant. And of course, everybody was really nervous about lambda at first. But guess what? It kind of fizzled out. It kind of disappeared. We, we stopped having to worry about it because it was so mild that now people get it. They probably aren't even presenting symptoms because it hadn't went anywhere. None of these variants have gone away. Not really. They just keep mutating into something new. 
Thank goodness Lambda wasn't nearly as scary as what they let on. And now I'm pretty sure Omicron's not going to be scary either. But after Lambda, well, what comes next? If you're looking at the Greek alphabet, the next letter is new. And that's spelled in U, new. The World Health Organization and its great wisdom and, and the uh, high potentate of name calling. <laughs> I'm assuming that's a real position. Uh, it's, it's a government position and a global government position at that. So it's probably a title that sounds a lot fancier, but really that's what it means. They decided that the new variant uh, would be confusing. Ah, oh, y'all dumb hicks out there ain't going to be able to figure it out. Uh, that we're not saying that this is, uh, we're not saying that it's COVID-21 because it's brand new. We're, we're saying that it's Delta variant, now Lambda variant, now new variant because it's a Greek letter. But y'all out there can't figure that out. So they're like, nope, too confusing. Move along. What's next? Well, Psi. The Greek letter Psi. Oh, okay. Well, you know. Psy sounds scary. Maybe we should think about going with this. This was an actual discussion, by the way. Maybe we, maybe we should just jump right ahead to Psy because you, you say the word Psy and people are thinking like the old school farming instrument where you'd use a scythe to just cut things down. Then This new variant of COVID is Psy and it's acting like a scythe through the population. The headlines were writing themselves until... Still a really smart guy, and by smart I mean a complete moron that's part of this group, realize how they spell psi in the Greek alphabet. It's X-I. Now the thing about X-I, boys and girls, is that if you pronounce it with the accent similar to other languages, then it doesn't sound like psi anymore. In in Greek, in the ancient Greek, it was psi. In modern China, it's xi. As in premier xi, uh, president xi, the current dictator for life, I mean a president of the uh, Chinese Communist Party, the guy calling the shots, you know, the guy who's making fun of and trolling. Barely there, Beijing Biden. Yeah, that guy. Now, once you make that connection, it's the same as she. Oh, no, we can't have that. No, 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 no. Can't have that. Can't do that. That's that's not acceptable because too many people are going to think that we're associating that with China. And then they're going to think we're as bad as the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. Yeah, that guy. We can't be even thought to occasionally agree with that guy. No. So, they come up with the excuse that, well, that's also identical to a very common surname, which, you know, as you would have it, that one doesn't really pass the smell test because one of the previous variants is also an extremely common surname. In fact, almost two-thirds more common than she so you know obviously bam you just move right past and then you move to omicron and evidently a lot of people have had a lot of fun saying it i i 
I don't think I've heard a single commentator, a conservative commentator, simply just say Omicron. It's almost always Omicron, 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 Omicron. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's a fun word to say, kind of. Until all you guys have fun doing the exact same thing. Yes, it sounds like a Transformer name. Yeah, we get it. The joke was funny once. Some of y'all need to start listening to each other so you stop telling the same joke. Now, I get it. Great minds think alike. No, and if you're in this business, some things just come out and hit you and bam, it's right there. And um, if you hear a lot of repetitiveness in the conservative side of the commentary aisle, it's because uh, we see something. We usually see a lot of the same things. We've learned to spot the same things. And sometimes the same jokes occur to us because we've got a common background. It's not that we're getting the talking points from the National Democratic Party. No, no, we're not doing that, uh, which is how you know everyone on mainstream legacy media keeps saying the same things. Somebody wrote them a memo. They all got the same memo. But yeah, Omicron. Yeah, it does sound like a Transformer name. I kind of like it. The the word, not not the disease. Nobody likes COVID. I, COVID's got to go away. But for the love of Pete, all y'all, if you're still part of the we're panicked crowd, why? How has this not occurred to you yet that they're playing so many freaking mind games with you that they can't be legit? How, how are you possibly somebody that's still listening to Anthony Fauci who has admitted now to lying to the general public on multiple occasions? And every time it suits him, he changes. He's become a propaganda spokesman for the Biden administration. I mean, he stood behind Donald Trump at these uh, press conferences, rolling his eyes a lot, kind of fighting back giggles whenever Trump would say something in a fashion that just it just wasn't appropriate if you're a scientist. But he stood there. He worked for Trump, same as he worked for everybody else, because this is the the longest employed government official. This guy is the highest paid person in our federal government. Why? Because he's held on to his job and because he's managed to do little things like send federal U.S. taxpayer dollars to fund gain-of-function research on coronaviruses in China. It's a good thing we didn't call this thing Psy, isn't it? All right. Well, there's other things going on, and we will get to some of those right after we take this very brief break. Going to do the uh, Edwards Notebooks and the Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day, all those usual goodies. And uh, then we're also going to do something that we only do after Thanksgiving. We're going to play a little Thanksgiving music. So you got to stay right where you're at. We'll pick up on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Once again, some Republicans show they are no more loyal to the better principles for America than leftist Democrats. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, a mind-boggling total of 32 House and Senate Republicans helped push Biden's mostly wasteful $1.2 trillion so-called infrastructure package over the finish line. 
Most of those unwise Republicans were easily won over to Biden's camp via big money handouts from none other than the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, proving yet again what the great Will Rogers said many years ago, that there isn't a dime's worth of difference between the Republicans and Democrats. There are individual exceptions to that rule, like Marjorie Taylor Greene and a few others. But if the right circumstances come to the fore, you can be sure the prevailing stench of Washington's swamp culture will sweep away far too many Republicans who actually know better. We the people must also vote better. What they do, they smile. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the Ron Edwards American Experience via theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. So very much for staying with me through that very brief break, and hope you enjoy the sounds of the season. I, guess I really do get excited about Christmas. I love the Christmas holiday. I love the tradition, the giving, the joy, and little kids' eyes. It's it's a lot of fun. It really is, and I appreciate it more. It's one of the few holidays that I have learned to embrace more as I've gotten older uh, than I did when I was younger. Uh, I made a promise this year, uh, sent it out in meme form, got a lot of people to sign on with me. I promised this year to put the thanks back in Thanksgiving and Christ back into Christmas. That's something we all need to be doing. And I am very, very glad to have accomplished that for Thanksgiving so far. I hope all of you did the same. And we've got to continue to keep our focus on the true reason for the season as we March to Christmas Day, especially this year when uh, supply chain issues may be problematic. 
Well, before we get back to the main topics, I want to take an opportunity also to say to you that if you're a little bit like me, you probably overindulged for the Thanksgiving holiday as far as eating. So now we've got a big Christmas meal upcoming. And of course, you'll get together with the family. You'll be doing all this stuff and it will just be like with everything else, very difficult not to overdo it again. So if you, like me, need a way to try to keep from overindulging until we get to Christmas so we don't feel quite as guilty, might I recommend Built Bar? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I'm talking about a candy bar. I am. Now, they keep saying it's a protein bar. They keep talking about how healthy it is. All I know is when I take a bite, it's a candy bar. It's a good candy bar. I like it. I mean, I've gotten to the point now where if I run out, if I don't order it at the right point in time to get more here uh, before I run out, I start getting antsy. And then I find myself doing silly things that's not very helpful, like getting uh, other candy bars to tide me over. And they're not nearly as good for me. Although, you know, I'll get like a Reese's Cup and justify, hey, peanut butter, it's got protein. It's a protein bar. Uh, No, but Built Bar... (laughs) Bill Bar legitimately is a protein bar. It's relatively low in sugar. It is high in uh, protein. It is good tasting. It is not the typical cardboard you get from something that calls itself a protein bar. Trust me, in the variety of flavors, they have great regular flavors all the time, and then they rotate out other flavors, trying new flavors, bring back old favorites, and they've got other things too. So what I'm going to ask you to do is go to the show description uh, today, and if you're listening via terrestrial radio, you can visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P intothetruth.com, and uh, you can go there and click on one of the banners for Built Bar Or you can look up the podcast somewhere else and then see the show description. Uh, Once you're there, uh, if you will copy the whole link that I will have in the show description, paste that entire link into your web browser, and then go visit. You'll get to see everything that I'm talking about. And if you decide to make a purchase, which I heavily encourage you to do, You'll also be helping to support the show because by using that full link, that's how they know I'm the one who sent you. So, you know, I understand if you just go check it out because you're like, oh, yeah, I keep forgetting. So I'm just going to put in built.com and go directly there. All right, fine. You can do that. I really would rather you just find out how great they are. But if it's not too much trouble, come on, guys, help me out a little, too. It's Christmas. And... Unlike all these other people that are just clouding and clogging up your inbox and your email, I'm not constantly trying to remind you that uh, it's the season of giving and uh, I'm dependent on contributions. Please give. Please give. No, I'm just asking you to go get something that you might want to get anyway. And in the process, you kind of support. And that's that's a win-win for everybody. All right. uh, Let's get back at it. Uh, Ghislaine. Ghislaine Maxwell. What can be said about Ghislaine Maxwell? Hmm. She's a a unique individual. Ghislaine Maxwell is an associate of the former financier, former convicted 
sex offender. Jeffrey Epstein. You know, the guy who didn't hang himself. Yeah. <laughs> Maxwell's a British socialite. She's a longtime associate of Epstein, and she stands accused of procuring underage girls for Epstein and his associates. If she's convicted on all counts that she's currently standing trial for, and then it's given the maximum sentences for each one of those counts, the now 59-year-old would spend 80 years in prison. Now, her trial started back this past Monday, so uh, here we are in the first week of December, and she is finally standing trial. A lot of people were talking, they were doubting, they questioned whether we'd ever see a trial. Would this be allowed? Again, because of what happened with Jeffrey Epstein. A lot of highly suspect coincidences occurred. And it, it's a very ripe scenario for conspiracy theories to abide. In fact, uh, you know, I, I could move this story into the conspiracy corner, except there's not really a conspiracy involved here. We pretty much know who she was. Now, the highlights of the trial so far have been some of the victims having testified. The defense attorneys for Ms. Maxwell uh, tried to impugn the characters and credibility of these witnesses and questioned their memories of events, period. Another one of the highlights is the, the pilot for Epstein's plane, the uh, Loita Express. Okay, anyway, the pilot testified, and it's funny, too, because you can tell who's reporting it based on what you're reading. See, this pilot, he mentioned Bill Clinton. He mentioned Prince Andrew of the U.K. He mentioned Alan Dershowitz. He mentioned other celebrities. He mentioned Kevin Spacey. He talked about Chris Tucker. He talked about John Glenn having been on this he mentioned a lot of people, and he also mentioned that Donald John Trump was a repeat flyer before he became president. That's the way he was put. Now, he specifically said, and I'll quote right here, there was more than once, I believe. I certainly remember President Trump, but not anyone else associated with him. There's no mention of the time frame in the testimony, though. I would love to know if any of these flights happened after the Donald found out what Mr. Epstein was really about. Because there's also this rather famous blow-up where Epstein was thrown out of Mar-a-Lago by Trump. He was no longer welcome there. Insiders of the Trump inner circle have insisted this is because he found out the kind of person Jeffrey Epstein was and was no longer associated with him at that point. All he knew about him beforehand was that he seemed to be extremely wealthy and that uh, a lot of people trusted him with their cash. He had evidently made a lot of people a lot of money. How? Where did the original money come from? Nobody knows that either. So again, here comes Conspiracy Theory 101. Where'd the money come from? The rumors... The back alley secret talk in hushed tones is that he was an intelligence asset. That he would get dirt on people. All kinds of people. 
that he didn't just work for our intelligence agencies. He worked for some of the foreign intelligence agencies as well. But because he never behaved as a traitor as far as these intelligence agencies were concerned, they let him go about his business up until this time. So again, now you got another reason to be concerned. Anyway, I digress. They, they focused, NBC in particular, focused so heavily on the Trump connection because that allowed them to ignore the Clinton connection. And of course, there's more reasons than ever for the mainstream legacy media, the ones who ignore the Clinton connection, because as I'm sure you'll recall, most of the eyebrows that were raised by the hanging well, they were kind of insinuated in the general direction of uh, culpability uh, to the Clinton political machine out of fear of what truths would come out at trial. Everybody who knew Jeffrey Epstein at the time are all on the record of saying that he was incredibly upbeat at the time. Several people were shocked that he would commit suicide. Several other people, including his defense attorney, don't believe he committed suicide. On the record, it's having said that he was not only upbeat, but he was convinced he was going to beat the charges. That he was going to be fined, that he was going to be acquitted. Now, no real explanation of why he felt that way, but I tell you what, if I had the kind of dirt on the kind of people that people seem to think he did... I might be pretty confident there, too. I don't know why it didn't occur to him that if he has an association with the Clintons that something bad might happen. It's not like anybody associated with Hillary Clinton has ever died or disappeared. Wait a minute. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the whole point here is that he mentions... All these other people, but NBC only wants to talk about Donald Trump. And I'm sure you'll remember when this first went down with Jeffrey, all the legacy media wanted to talk about was the connection to Donald Trump. If it didn't hurt Donald Trump, they didn't want to talk about it. and It didn't matter. It's not even so much that they were trying to protect Bill Clinton anymore because the left is done with Bill. It have been for a while. Bill should have been a victim of the Me Too activities some time ago. And the only reason he hung around is because some folks in the party still thought that Hillary might have some value, or at least they were scared. I don't want to be next. I'm not committing suicide. For the record, all y'all listening, should Hillary happen to hear this, no matter, no matter what, no matter what circumstances, I will not commit suicide. Okay? So, at any rate, uh, the... Uh, the pilot also talked about how Miss Maxwell was Epstein's number two. Now, that came out a direct quote uh, when he's being questioned by the assistant U.S. attorney, Miss Comey. The testimony seemed to uh, coincide with the opening statements of the prosecuting attorney, Laura Pom Pomeranza, I believe. Uh, Laura, I hope I didn't butcher your name there who happened to say that Epstein and Maxwell were partners in crime. And quite literally, that would be true. Now, according to the federal indictment, Maxwell 
assisted, facilitated, and contributed to Epstein's abuse of minor girls between 1994 and 1997, even though both individuals knew that their victims were not adults. Maxwell is literally accused of normalizing the abuse by doing such torrid things as undressing in front of the victims, discussing sexual topics with the victims, say, hey, it's just us girls talking, and prompting them to give sexualized massages to Epstein. This is all part of the grooming process to get these girls ready to go to Pedophile Island. Miss Maxwell allegedly tried to befriend victims by taking them on shopping excursions and asking about their lives. I'm really your friend, and I'm just trying to help you out with a job. Quoting here from the indictment, Maxwell enticed minor girls, got them to trust her, and then delivered them into the trap that she and Jeffrey Epstein had set. She pretended to be a woman they could trust. All the while, she was setting them up to be abused sexually by Epstein and, in some cases, Maxwell herself. So what's going to happen with Janine? All I know is that from the testimony from the pilot, the the perfect name for this podcast arose. The perfect name for this particular episode of Tap Into the Truth arose. The perfect name for the book somebody should write one day. Two Presidents and a Prince. <laughs> That's, that is the title based on the testimony. That's the important part. That's the important takeaway. Now, at the end of the day, we will see what happens. I have no idea what's next. Like a lot of people, I'm a little bit surprised, just, just a little bit surprised, that her trial was even allowed to happen. I think that maybe because nobody bought into the uh, Jeffrey Epstein hung himself uh, BS, that uh, the folks that probably would have suicided her, uh, maybe they think it would just be too hard to get away with. And so they're calling in favors with the media to try to set on it and be quiet about it and put it down the same memory hole as the Wisconsin parade crasher. And yes, I am willfully choosing not to say his name. I know it seems like a silly policy, especially when you can literally find it anywhere. I, I get that. But I don't want to feel like I'm contributing to helping to make somebody famous who doesn't deserve to be famous and certainly doesn't need to be emulated. And sadly, if you make somebody famous even for terrible, terrible things, somebody is always going to come along and try to emulate their behavior. And now, running a vehicle into a crowd... It's not exactly new activity. We see this kind of thing among uh, radical Islamic terrorists throughout Europe. It happens a lot. But regardless of that, I, I'm just I'm not going to contribute to it. And uh, if I ever do say his name on air, it's going to be completely accidental. It's going to be because I've really lost my mind. And speaking of completely accidental and people whose names I really do like saying, Jesse Smollett. 
another court case going on that you probably haven't heard a whole lot about. It's not going very well for Jesse either. Mr. Smollett. Smollett. If you're French. He's on trial for staging a hate crime. For filing a false police report. For trying desperately to bolster his work opportunities, it seems. Well, that case isn't going very well for him either. Uh, the two brothers, the trainers, uh, the guys who were supposed to be the uh, the white MAGA country wearing guys that <laughs> that put a noose a noose around his neck and all these other things that he claims they did before he bravely and valiantly fought them off. They testified to. Evidently, there is literally video footage of a dry run practice where they literally were rehearsing before doing the real thing. And, of course, the defense is that uh, the trainers were hired to train him, and then they just didn't like him. And evidently, they're like, I guess, homophobes or something. The, uh, these accusations. What are you going to do? Jesse's the victim here. Jesse Smollett is the victim. How dare you say anything any different? Ah, he's a victim. I feel bad for him. Boo-hoo. I don't know. I, I really just do not know. What's next, y'all? Going to get that electric car that doesn't need electricity? Because there's no way an electric car is going to be green otherwise. Just a random thought popped into my head. You know, the whole Joe Biden uh, initiative. Build back better. Hmm. BBB. I can think of a whole list of things those bees probably stand for, but none of them are appropriate for terrestrial radio. So while I could get away with saying them on the podcast... I'm going to hold off because I don't feel like going back and uh, doing a separate file and bleeping it out for the radio folks. So I'm just not going to say it. I'll let you use your imagination. Somebody should be. This is insanity. I, I, I don't... I don't get where so many people are still trying to defend this notion, this idea that moving forward with the green agenda is a good thing. The whole key to success for a civilization, for a culture, is abundant, affordable, and reliable energy. If you have an energy source that checks off all three of those boxes then you are going to be prosperous as a nation. And thereby, through extension, every person that's a part of that nation is going to be better off than someone who is a part of a different civilization that doesn't have those things. Now, right now, petroleum-based products, coal, natural gas, oil, Gasoline, these things, diesel, however you divide it up, it's all petroleum-based there. I mean, coal's coal, but uh, the others are all petroleum-based. These are all abundant 
and relatively cheap in the United States and could be a lot cheaper if you don't have Joe Biden policies trying to wear you down. Back when, you know, that, that other guy, the orange man who's bad. Yeah, 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 the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the uh, climate arsonist, that guy. Back when he had us on track and we were actually energy independent, uh, gas prices were much, much lower. And we're still moving down until the terrible incident of the pandemic shutdowns. And, you know, I, I still I wish different steps were taken, but I'm still willing to give a pass to everybody up front on the first days of this when it was a novice thing and it was brand new and uh, everybody was getting the reports of COVID being a killer. I wish things had been different. I wish things were different. I wish we never went through this economic shutdown. We'd all be so much better off. Now these supply chain issues that are going on, they would not have happened. We would have already worked on workarounds and we would have never gotten behind in the first place. It would be so much better. But the solutions to the energy situation is not solar or geothermal or wind because they're not cheap, they're not green, and they're not reliable. I mean, geothermal is the closest thing to reliable. Solar, it becomes problematic when the sun goes behind a cloud. Wind, well, what happens when the wind stops blowing? As far as being green, uh, these things kill large numbers of animals, and they destroy ecosystems. So, you know, again, not, not a good thing. In fact, the one thing that could actually reasonably come up and be a good substitute in the energy crisis would be very green. Greenest energy source that we have available, actually. We'd never have to fire up a coal plant again. Well, that's nuclear. Back in the 70s, nuclear was the cleanest energy source available. Just have to be careful not to have a meltdown. You know, as long as you took all the safety precautions in place, it was reliable and it was clean. And once it got started and you kept it going, it was relatively cheap. In fact, the whole, the whole purpose of keeping nuclear off the table is because, uh, well, you know, they have this misconception of weapons. They all look at the worst-case scenarios and imagine that that's what's going to happen every time. And no, and that was then, in the freaking 70s. Um, with the upgrades in technology, how much better would nuclear be now? If you really want to be green... And energy independent, let's go nuclear. Uh, France did it for a long time, and then they let uh, the lefties come in and knock them down. Again, not because it's not particularly green, but because if you're energy independent, then that's one less little toehold that the globalists have to try to sneak their way in and take over. Right now, these ESG scores are the big thing. Debacle, and you, again, you got to watch out for that. If if you are concerned about your future right now as an American, now is the time to make it clear to all your banks, to all your investment uh, companies, everybody that works in finance. You make it clear, and you make your politicians clear also that you want the states 
and counties and city municipalities that have sizable dollar amounts. No official government business needs to be being conducted with a bank that is engaging an ESG scoring. Because there is just too much in the ESG scoring that is strictly build back better BS and is a way to allow banks to say, hmm, it's too much of a risk for us to finance you, gun shop owner, so that you can buy your inventory. It's too much of a risk for us to uh, help supply you, ammunition maker, because of how dangerous guns are. It's too much of a risk. It's just, it's just too dangerous. You're not, you're not concerned about the environment enough, it, and you're not, you're not concerned about equity enough. Uh, you're not having any uh, be less white training going on in your corporation. We can't give you a loan either. The standards set forward by the uh, ESG standards are, are set up in such a fashion that uh, whoever's making the choice that particular day of the week gets to decide what is or isn't sustainable. And that's a catchphrase that when it comes to this ESG scoring, all part of the Great Reset, has nothing at all to do with what you might think sustainability has to do with. In their mind, sustainability is based on whether or not we want you to be in business. That, that's it. Hey, clearly, you're not a sustainable business if we're working to put you out of business. Okay, maybe it does still mean what it used to mean. It's just, it's a controlled lack of sustainability. It's insanity. So again, you know, you need to stop doing business with banks that are involved with it. Find a small local bank that promises that they won't do it if that's what will work. Stay away from the bigger banks and start putting pressure on your elected officials to do the same at every level of government. Make sure these folks understand. In fact, I bet if you were to explain the ESG scoring and what it's really about, You'd get a lot of folks that look at you like you're crazy. They'll look at you like you've grown the third eyeball. I mean, you start saying things like uh, the Great Reset, and even some of the QAnon folks are look, raising an eyebrow and thinking, ah, that sounds like a conspiracy theory, Tim. Yeah, it does. I hate being called out by you guys. All right, that's going to have to be it for the first hour. You guys that are listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Uh, Hour number two will start right after this. For those of you that are listening on Terrestrial Radio, though, going to have to say goodbye for now. But remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Guys, seriously, stay safe out there. Stay healthy if you can and uh, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. Merry Christmas.
crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. And politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn Right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. All the unions always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. There'll come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. Uh, with you, as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so very proud, humbled, and honored that you have chosen to join me today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you are listening to the podcast, then you know that this is, in fact, the second hour of a live show that occurred on December the 2nd, 2021. And I mention that specifically because some of you are listening on terrestrial radio. Uh, stations like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. And so by the time you get to hear this second hour of the broadcast, uh, some of the information may sound a little dated to you by then, but... Uh, you know, understand, it was fresh information, relatively so. And some of this is going to be timeless. Some of this is going to be very timeless. It's just going to be me ranting about some stuff you've already heard other people rant about. But just so you know why some of it does, in fact, sound dated and why some of the facts when it comes to information that we may not know at the time I'm doing this, things that come to light after I've recorded this, Maybe why I don't have all the pictures that become known to you by then. Because this happened on the 2nd 
Okay. Uh, let's jump into things. Like I said, uh, this is the second hour. So if you missed the first hour, uh, then please uh, come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com. You can go to the uh, page for past broadcast, and you can go back and listen to the first hour where we talked about such great things like the trial going on for Colleen Maxwell. And we talked about things that have transpired since the last time we got together uh, here on the air. Things like uh, more information coming about about the guy who drove an SUV through a crowded parade route in Wisconsin. You know, just things like that. So if you missed it, I would ask that you please go back and give it a listen. Or if you do have a preferred place you like listening to podcasts, you can go directly there. Chances are you'll be able to find this show if you haven't already subscribed. And uh, you know what? I've got to ask you, why haven't you? If you're listening now and you're into the second hour here, or if you like this show enough, then when you hear it, hit or miss, what have you, why not subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and, uh, you know, listen. Get the parts that you missed. If you enjoyed enough to listen on a regular basis, hey, come on. I mean, you're welcome. You're welcome to come listen anytime. In fact, do the subscribe thing. And, you know, if you're on one of the platforms that lets you rate the show, then uh, yeah, it'd be all right if you put a, like, a big five-star rating right there. That would be fine. With me. I'm not going to hunt you down and do mean things to you if you don't. But I really won't if you do. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, let's get to action. This is the second hour, and there are things I've got to get to. Now, one of the bigger things that's going on right now, of course, is we just had the oral arguments over this abortion law that's finally made its way to the Supreme Court. And, of course, we have the wailing and the gnashing of teeth, and everybody on the left has completely lost their minds, and they're doing such brave and bold things like taking an abortion pill in front of the Supreme Court building. I'm not sure exactly what that's supposed to to accomplish, especially if you're not pregnant, it just seems like they're wasting medication. Uh, it's probably available over the counter, but probably shouldn't be. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, you got people out there saying silly things like, if abortion goes away, then this isn't even a democracy. Which, surprisingly, this lady that was saying that sounded a lot like that. That was a pretty good impression. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe I just thought she sounded like a monster. Uh, yeah, it's just insane. Insane. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about the case itself, but one of the things that really just smacked me square, didn't it? Did I make the smacking sound loud enough? How's that? Just square in the head was, get this, been a while since I've got to say her name on air, AOC and a statement that she made. Of course, this is all about the desperate effort to attack the credibility of the Supreme Court justices who, during the course of the oral arguments, made it seem pretty clear that a lot of the folks, all but the three uber-leftists, really want to overturn Roe v. Wade. 
I mean, that, that is the, the line of questioning, the way uh, the uh, folks were forced to, to answer the questions. I, it seems like, even though there's a few of them, I think, I'm looking at you, Kennedy, uh, that, uh, you know, we, we, we have some uh, justices here that I really don't believe for a second wants to overturn it because they're afraid of what it might make people think about the court. I don't want to undermine the... Uh, don't want to undermine what? The integrity of the institution of the Supreme Court? Well, then do your job. I mean, be prepared. Be bold. Be brave. Do your job. You know, I get why Elena Cagle and Sonia Sotomayor I get why they take the stands they do, because they're not really Supreme Court justices. They're activists, and that's what they were put there to do. They're doing their job because their job is not the job of a Supreme Court justice. But they were put there to be an activist from the court for the left. That's what they're there for. But if you want to maintain the credibility of the institution, then you have to be credible and you have to do your job. If your job is to be a mechanic and you go to work every day and you do the mechanic work and you get a reputation for being really good at it to the point that people want you to be their mechanic, then you're not undermining the credibility of your institution of mechanicness but if you're a mechanic and you show up for work yeah couple of days a week even though you're supposed to be there five or six days uh, you push all your customers off you only do the work that seems easy to you and you mess that up well then you have completely eliminated any credibility that you have any credibility you, you, zero none zilch Nobody's going to want you to be their mechanic anymore unless there's somebody who just doesn't know your reputation and doesn't know why your prices are so low because you're desperate for customers at that point. So, you know, here's a, if you're a Supreme Court justice and you want to secure the integrity of the court, you don't worry about what public polls say. You don't worry about the political temperature of the country. You worry about what the Constitution actually says, not trying to create a, some new feeling out of whole cloth. You're not just saying, well, it says here that you have the right to be secured in your papers. So obviously that means that... Uh, two men can get married anywhere in the country, no matter what the states say. Now, if you're scratching your head wondering what the heck kind of leap that is, then join the club. But that's essentially what's already happened. What the folks currently sitting on the Supreme Court, none of them seem to get, is that their job is very, very narrow and is very well defined. And none of them have been doing it, essentially. Their job is to look at the Constitution, their job is to look at the cases that come before them, and their job is to determine, based on the cases in front of them and based on what the Constitution actually says, not what it's interpreted to say, not trying to second-guess what the authors of the 
Constitution were meaning, not falling into the philosophy that it's a living, breathing document, so it means something different today than it meant the other day, not the Joy Behar, well, the First and Second Amendments need to be tweaked because uh, the Founding Fathers didn't have AR-15s or Twitter. None of that stuff should be a factor. The bottom line is, if these justices were doing their jobs on every case that comes in front of them, they would make just as many conservatives angry as uh, so-called liberals. And I have to say so-called because they're not liberals. A liberal will stand up and fight for my right to, to say what I want to say. These people claiming the mantle of liberal, they want to shut me up. They want to shut you up. I mean, they're happy to hear you as long as you're agreeing with them, but then, you know, they got no use for you if you don't. So if you want to safeguard the integrity of the Supreme Court, then do what the Supreme Court's supposed to do. Stop with the public opinion polls. Come on. You're supposed to have been a conservative to boot, man. Hard to imagine. But anyway. An attack on the justices are necessary. First, they they thought that Amy Coney Barrett was going to be a horrible justice, that, that Donald John Trump picked her specifically to overturn Roe versus Wade the first chance she got. That's what the left believes. Now, every indication I'm getting right now is that Amy Coney Barrett's kind of that, uh, she's in the middle ground where she kind of likes staying with precedent. So she's actually more inclined not to overturn him. But that's another story. And I'm hoping I'm wrong about that. It's just based on what I've seen to this point. But in an effort to attack Amy Coney Barrett, and of course an effort to attack the man who survived a media onslaught and false accusations, certain Justice Kavanaugh, hmm. Well, he was the target of Miss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. See, as I mentioned, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments. These oral arguments regarding the Mississippi abortion law. That literally could change the abortion landscape throughout the United States. If this is allowed to stand, then we're back to the states regulating this. Which you would think the left would actually be on board because, as you will recall, if you're a regular listener or at least if you've been listening in the last couple of years, ever since New York passed their draconian up-till-birth abortion law and then Virginia did something similar, basically saying that even if the abortion's botched and the tiny baby survives the attempt to murder it uh, while it's still in utero, that it can live outside for a while and you can decide if you want to keep it then or if you still don't, then, uh, you know, uh, no comfort. Just, just go ahead and murder it anyway. At that point, take further steps and give no medical aid to a child that survives the abortion attempt. As soon as those two states did those two things, I've been saying since then that we are in a post-Roe v. Wade world. Because even at its inception, at its worst-case scenario, Roe v. Wade says at the time you entered the third trimester, done, not a no more. 
At that point, it is recognizable as something more than a glob of tissues. I've yet to understand how the left can even justify that. But here's the thing. I mean, it's, it's a case where legitimately these people have changed abortion from uh, it's a tragic decision that sometimes is necessary for a young woman to take back her life, especially in tragic circumstances, like in the event that it would threaten her life or the event of incest or rape, which, by the way, those three things together still account for less than 1% of all abortions performed in the country. So to call it a red herring would be an understatement. Less than one, significantly less than one percent. That's not a lot of them. So again, that's why a lot of places that have been very strong anti-abortion are still willing to make exemptions uh, in the case of uh, the life of the mother and in cases of rape or incest. I think most people are okay with that. I'm still kind of in a gray zone there because on the one hand, I can kind of see where it would be a severe punishment to have to deal with the circumstances of the creation of the child in that instance. And you do have a right to self-defense. I fully believe that. But at the same time, as a Christian that believes that life is sacred, and it, it seems to me that, that God would not put that child there without a purpose. There's a reason. There's a rationale. And that is clearly abortion is the murder of the preborn. It is. There's no two ways about it. Now, sometimes you have to defend yourself. Sometimes you have to go Kyle Rittenhouse. You got to take some, some folks out lest they take you out. I mean, sometimes that's just the way it is, period. It's a, it's a terrible, harsh truth of this world. But it's something that has not changed at all during human existence. So this Mississippi law is kind of unique in so much as that it's looking to establish a 13-week hold. And then, if it's upheld, they want to readdress and maybe move it down to six weeks. Now, in my mind, life begins at conception. At conception, even though it may not be recognizable as a human at that point, what you have is a separate living thing that is developing. It is a human with a great deal of potential. It has a complete separate and different uh, DNA structure than the host, a.k.a. mommy. Or if you're on the left, maybe daddy. Uh, the leftists get very confused on biology. For a group of folks that just constantly say, believe the, believe the science, follow the science, they get really antsy in anything to do in the realms of biology. I, I don't understand. It's like life science is the one science they don't like. Believe in science, except when we don't like what it tells us. Anyway, to try and downplay the possible repercussions, because here's the thing. Roe v. Wade needs to be struck down. 
Now, the left's going to tell you that Roe v. Wade, if it goes away, that means it's the end of abortion in the country. Uh, that's not true. It just means a return to the states regulating it. It means that in New York, they're going to be just as brutal and draconian as they are right now. It means in Virginia, as long as Ralph Northam is uh, governor and uh, things don't change much, that there's a really good chance that uh, survivors of abortion attempts are still going to end up dead. Now, hopefully, when we get a new governor uh, official in place and uh, all these changes take place, maybe that changes in Virginia, too. Maybe we start seeing people respecting the sanctity of life and understanding that they have a responsibility to protect the helpless. Nobody's more helpless than a fetus. A fetus that is, in fact, a human with potential. It's not going to uh, pop out of there as a litter of puppies. It's not going to become an aircraft carrier. It's not going to become an Apache attack helicopter. It is a human being. And you can say what you want to. But Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is scared to death because everyone in the left believes this story, has believed it. With every fiber of their being, they've been told that by the important people on the left, and they believe so desperately that it is true that they have to lash out. So AOC took to Twitter, because yet that's where politics is done in America now, claiming that Justice Brett Kavanaugh still remains credibly accused of sexual assault on multiple counts with corroborated details. And this year, the FBI admitted it never fully investigated. Okay, never fully investigated. That, that, I'm scratching my head. Yes, there were some claims that weren't investigated. There were many claims that weren't investigated, but the FBI didn't investigate every claim because there was no basis for any of them. But uh, let, let's, for argument's sake, let's just pretend like maybe there was. Let's take a look at each of the main accusations. We can do that, right? Most of these accusations against Kavanaugh, again... We'll take a look and how they lack credibility or collaboration. Let's start with everybody's favorite Blase Ford, Christine. Christine Blase Ford, a psychology professor living in Palo Alto, California, accused Kavanaugh of having sexually assaulted her three decades earlier when they were in their teens. She made the accusation immediately after President Donald John Trump announced he was nominating Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. But her allegations didn't make news until shortly before the vote to confirm Kavanaugh, which, of course, prompted a new hearing to let her make her accusations public. Blasey Ford claimed that she was at a house party when Kavanaugh pushed her into an upstairs room and groped her. Kavanaugh vehemently denied the claims, and to date, no evidence has been presented to even prove Blasey Ford and Kavanaugh had ever actually met. Nobody remembered seeing her at the parties she was describing. Nobody remembers these events having happened. People that were her friends, not his. 
testified that they had no recollections of the events that she was saying. That is not cooperated. That is not credible. If something did happen to this woman, she's very confused about what happened. Ford was never even able to nail down a year that the alleged assault took place. She took a polygraph test to prove that she was telling the truth, which consisted of her own handwritten statement and being asked if her statement was false or if she made any of it up. Now, the handwritten statement initially said the alleged assault happened one high school summer in the early 80s, but the word early was then crossed out. Fozzie Ford never explained why. Her time frame for the incident changed throughout the summer of 2018. Starting with the July 6th text to the Washington Post in which she said that the incident occurred in mid-1980s. Then she wrote about her alleged assault to Senator Dianne Feinstein, uh, that the incident occurred in the early 80s. A September 16th, 2018 Washington Post article claimed Blasey Ford said the incident happened in 1982. Now, the prosecutor was brought into question Blasey Ford when she testified before the Senate that prosecutor outlined numerous issues with Blasey Ford's testimony that made her allegations weaker than a, uh, quote, he said, she said case. Weaker than he said, she said. Because he said, sounds like he means it. She said, sounds like she's off her rocker. This psychiatry professor, clearly in need of Uh, a little therapy herself, and clearly off her meds. That's the way it sounded. I know it sounds like I'm being mean right now, but this was some of the statements being made by trained professionals who talked to her. Weaker than a he said, she said case. One of the biggest flags was Ford's claims to have brought the assault up in couples therapy with her husband, but she has refused to provide any evidence of these claims. Yeah, this is when I first talked about it, but no, there's no proof. Blasey Ford named three people other than herself and Kavanaugh who allegedly attended the house party where she was sexually assaulted. One of them, who is still a friend of Kavanaugh's, denied the claims. Okay, well, you'd expect that, just protecting your bro. Another named person, Patrick Smith, said he never attended a party like that. And the final person, Blasey Ford's childhood friend, Leland Kaiser, Kaiser, I don't mean to butcher your last name, sorry, Leland, said that she couldn't remember the party or any alleged sexual assault. In September of 2018, the Post wrote that this particular friend believes Ford's assertion. Yet two separate books discount this claim. In the education of Brett Kavanaugh, an investigation, the New York Times reporter Robin uh, Porspring and Kate Kelly, they uh, bury an admission that Kaiser never believed Blasey Ford. It's in there. They try to hide it. But the admission's there. Quote, we spoke multiple times to Kaiser, who also said that she didn't recall that get-together or any others like it. In fact, 
she challenged Ford's accuracy, saying, quote, I don't have any confidence in the story. Now, the book also said that uh, this childhood friend of Blasey Ford's was threatened and pressured to support this Blasey Ford story. Quote, I was told behind the scenes that certain things could be spread about me if I didn't comply. One major aspect of Blasey Ford's story was that uh, is never explained is how she supposedly got home from the party where she was allegedly assaulted. She said she left upset. Her friend has no memory of this. And no one has ever come forward to say that they drove her home. At one point, Blasey Ford claims that her friend Kaiser may have driven her home. She has previously claimed that she did not know how she got home. And she just blocked it all out. It was so traumatic. Further complicating Blasey Ford's story is the political motivation. She was portrayed as a moderate, yet her online footprint, which was scrubbed before she made her allegations, by the way, but stuff on the internet is forever, boys and girls. Deleted content was heavily critical of then-President Donald John. Orange man bad Kicker of puppies, eater of babies, climate arsonist Trump. After Kavanaugh was conformed, Blasey Ford's attorney, Deborah Katz, admitted that her client was indeed motivated by politics. So the admission was there. Have you heard that that admission was made by Blasey Ford's attorney? Have you heard that? You didn't hear it from the legacy media, but it's well documented said we're going to have to have a conservative justice elections have consequences but he will always have an asterisk next to his name when he takes a scaffold to Roe v. Wade we will know who he is we know his character and we know what motivates him and that is important it is important that we know and that is part of what motivated Christine. Yep, it was political. It was political. Now, Katz's admission, it contradicts what she and Blasey Ford's testimony uh, that this was not about politics. Blasey Ford claimed that she was came forward because it was her civic duty. This is just one of the stories. I don't have time to talk about Deborah Ramirez. Even the New Yorker article detailing Deborah Ramirez's allegations threw cold water on them. Concerns that were bolstered by a subsequent article from the New York Times. Ramirez claimed that while students at Yale University, Kavanaugh exposed himself during a drunken dorm party and forced Ramirez to touch his penis. Oh, the horror. Except once again, uh, nobody seemed to remember that event occurring. There was, of course, the Julie Swetnick, who claimed that Kavanaugh helped orchestrate uh, these gang rape parties while uh, he was in high school. A claim, of course, that's pretty absurd on its face, but her allegations were brought to light by, yeah, that's right, here's a blast from the past, Michael Avenatti. 
Yeah, creepy porn lawyer. Michael Avenatti, a celebrity attorney lionized by the corporate media who's now serving jail time for attempting to extort millions of dollars from Nike. So despite, despite these obvious red flags in her claims, NBC still went ahead and interviewed her. Later on, they acknowledged to, to, to put her on air, even though it had information that seriously undermined her credibility. Man, credibility. What an issue. So much credibility. It's almost as if not Fredo, I'm sorry, Chris Cuomo was working for them. That's how much credibility that they're working with. Uh, the network put her on air with the caveat that it had not been corroborated on her claims. Uh, you got Max Steyer. There were a lot of random false accusations that went uh, in front of Senate investigators. This one got uh, serious media attention uh, long after Kavanaugh was confirmed. The Times spent nearly a year trying to uh, uh, find some type of corroboration with those allegations against Kavanaugh. And the best they came up with was a Democrat operative who had attended Yale with Kavanaugh, claiming that the Supreme Court justice forced his penis into a woman's hand his freshman year. Biggest problem with that story, again, is the alleged female victim had no memory of the event. Now, I'm sure if this happens to you at a drunken frat party, there are two things that could be in play. It could have happened, and you could have just been too drunk to remember, or maybe it was so traumatic you've just blocked it from your mind. Or there is yet the uh, third option, which seems way more likely, and that is if somebody throws their penis in your hand, you're probably going to remember it, even if you're blackout drunk. I mean, well, maybe not if you're that drunk. I mean, blackout drunk is blackout drunk for a reason, I suppose. But still, the point is the same. The, the times they claimed this uncorroborated allegation somehow corroborated Ramirez's allegation. And, and just thing after time after time. So, again, AOC, I'm sorry, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, where is the... Credible accusation. Where is the multiple accounts that were corroborated? The fact that the FBI says, yes, we never fully investigated every allegation because we knew most of them were crackpot morons who had never met Kavanaugh a day of their life. Uh, yeah, That's not somehow hiding the truth. To continue to investigate every one of those would have been a waste of resources and a waste of taxpayer dollars. There are no credible accusations. If you want to talk about critical, credible accusations, what about this young lady who uh, said that uh, uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, uh, forced her up against a wall and, and digitally penetrated her uh, and said, come on, you know you like this. Come on, man. You know you like it. I thought you liked me. How about that? Was that not credible? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forget. You had to be in Australia to get a legitimate news coverage of that story. You had to be in Australia watching Australian 60 Minutes to hear this woman tell her story. Uh, she was at least twice as credible, twice as credible as anything Christine Blasey Ford said. Oh, yeah, but that was Joe. 
That was barely there bashing Biden, wasn't it? That was creepy Uncle Hansy Grabby. <sighs> we can't talk bad about her. Look, Miss Ocasio-Cortez, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, with more respect than is due you, please let me remind you that that's just insane. I, I know that you have the talking points that are handed to you. I know you don't get to make those choices. I know this because that's the only possible explanation for all the crazy things you say. But seriously, if that's the best attack you got, maybe you, you ought to just, when it's your turn to say something, just say pass. Or if you're, you know, like when you're in the Senate, when it comes time to vote on something and you really don't know what you're voting about, maybe you should just say present. Because that would be better. It really would. If you're not capable of making things any better, maybe you should just try not to make it any worse. Now, at the end of the day, from your ears from, from from your lips to, to God's ears. You say if Roe v. Wade gets overturned officially, that that's the end of abortion. I hope so. Tim, what about what about a woman's right to choose? She does. I support her right to choose. I support her right to choose not to get irresponsibly pregnant and then decide to just merely eliminate a separate living person because she doesn't want to deal with the consequences of her own irresponsibility. Seriously, Tim, come on. What, what about rape or incest? What about it? What about it? Less than 1%. Go ahead and add in with that uh, the lives of the mothers who are endangered by the pregnancy that can only be saved by performing the abortion. Yes, still don't get up to 1%. Adding all three of those together, you don't get to 1% of abortions performed in this country. You just don't get there. New York, Virginia, California, right now, they all have abortion laws on the books that are in open violation of the standards established by Roe v. Wade. They, they just are. The leftists are already far more draconian, far more murderous than what Roe v. Wade was. And Roe v. Wade is universally accepted by actual jurists as being crap. It was a terrible decision. You even had one of the lefty justices talking about how, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things not in the Constitution, but we just pretend it is. What? Was anybody paying attention? That wasn't a joke. That was her making an admission. Where is the inherent right to privacy that's supposed to be the backbone of Roe v. Wade? There isn't one. Nowhere in the Constitution. The point of the matter is the federal government should never be involved in anything like this, ever. It doesn't matter if you're talking about same-sex marriage. It doesn't matter if you're talking about abortion. This is a state's rights issue. And the fact that the Supreme Court has mistakenly overstepped its bounds and pretend like somehow it has supremacy over states and local governances, it's just an overstep. 
It's the same type of federal overreach that we see from the legislature and the executive branch. And for people to just sit back and pretend like, well, that's just the way it is. No, it's only that way if you let it be. There's no legal grounds for it. Hold these people accountable. These are experts in the field. These are studied people. They know. They know full well exactly what they're doing. And they're counting on us to be too stupid to catch on to what they're up to. That's why they like using fancy language. That's why they like using what we often refer to uh, us hicks out here in the country, what we often just call legalese. Because it's just a bunch of fancy, fancy sounding ways to phrase some simple stuff. The party of the first part and the party of the second part agree that the party of the third part is just a part. Okay, well, here's the deal. Uh, you and me got together and we decided Jeff down the street is uh, smelly. That's, that's what that is. Legalese simplified. The state does not have a reasonable interest in preventing the uh, murder of the preborn, even though it is actually uh, something that governments in uh, this part of the world were formed to do. No, you're not allowed. Why? Because we want abortion. The left wants abortion. How did we get from safe and rare to a sacrilege? A constitutionally guaranteed right. It's a sacrament in these people's minds. Part of the religion of the left requires abortion because that is their sacrifice to ball for crying out loud. Un unfracking believable, but yeah, that's where we're at. And and they don't even deny it anymore. Most of them are open about it. We have literally gotten to a stage where celebrities and big-time leftist high in the political left will act as if you're not even fully a woman unless you've had an abortion. How did we get to that point? Legal, safe, and rare to, oh, yeah, I had uh, three abortions by the time I was 19. I'm proud of it. Shout your abortion. Shout it. Shut up. Stop shouting anything. You're not smart enough to speak in public. Just cut it out. You're not making a legitimate argument, and you're not making a point. You are simply a murderer. Murderer. The preborn have every right to exist, same as you. You don't want to have a kid? Don't do the things that get you pregnant. It's really that simple. How dare you force these women to have children? I'm not. Just like I didn't force them to have sex. I didn't force them to uh, use a faulty birth control. I didn't force them to do anything. And I'm not forcing them to perform a bodily function that's going to occur naturally. I mean, why, is anybody going to say that, all right, I, I see that you've had a salad. And now... Because you ate your salad, you are now going to digest the vegetables that you ate in your salad and then any other toppings that you included with your salad. Uh, and now I'm not going to allow you to uh, gag yourself. I, 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 even if I just say, hey, by the way, it's not a good idea if you keep making yourself throw up. 
it's not healthy for you, then instantly are you going to come at me and say, you're anti-choice? No, you're probably going to say, you know what, he's got a point. Uh, that's not very healthy. It's bodily function. It's going to end uh, kind of smelly for most folks. It's not going to be a pleasant ending of that uh, biological function. But it's the natural result of the activity that you participated in. But Tom, you're still forgetting about the, the incest and rape. No, I'm not. Less than 1%. That is not a legitimate argument in this discussion. And again, if you want to make that an exemption to whatever laws get put in place... I'm open to to hearing your case. I, I'm I'm not. I still, like I said, I'm torn. It's a gray area for me because I do believe that there's a certain level of eh involved in those situations, but that still also believe in the sanctity of life. So ah, it's a tough spot. It's going to take somebody above my pay grade. Uh, somebody uh, whose birthday we're going to be celebrating uh, here around the 25th of this month. All right, I've blown past the halfway point of this hour, and I'm going to have to take the break right now, and I'm still going to try to sneak in. I'm going to have to make one very short, however. I'm still going to try to sneak in uh, two stories if I can get there. Uh, so bear with me. going to go super fast, he says. <laughs> Every time I say that, I never do. But uh, I'll be right back on the uh, uh, other side of this break. You guys don't go anywhere. I will be back as quick as I can. The U.S. House Committee on Financial Services has proved negative that when government is not held within constitutional confines, evil things go bump in the night. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. For years, leftist government bullies have been trying to configure ways to bring our nation's energy supply companies to financial ruin in an effort to make we the people more susceptible to the moods, attitudes, and dictates of government cabal figureheads hell-bent on literally destroying our exceptional nation way of life. They are working feverishly to bring about irreparable damage in order to permanently snuff out the torch of liberty while seeking to kill off the remaining vestiges of this being one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. Regime leader Biden, Nasty Pelosi, the squad, Lizard Cheney, and many others believe they have the final say in how this all plays out. I say they will be proven wrong if we the people will have eyes to see and ears to hear and act under providential guidance. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the Ron Edwards American Experience via the Ron Edwards. Dot com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Hello, this is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Did you know that the unemployment rate for homeless veterans was twice the national average? And without proper shoes, it's hard to get a job? Here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. People from all over the country helped us with our annual Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Shoes and Socks for Homeless Veterans. There was a time this summer where we believed that probably it wouldn't be successful because of the pandemic, but decided to go ahead and do it anyway. We reached out in the local community and on the various radio shows that I'm on, asked for their support. In a little over three weeks, we received 400 pairs of shoes and over a thousand pairs of socks. 
for homeless veterans so they can go out and look for a job and have a decent pair of shoes to wear. We at Songs and Stories for Soldiers and all the 400-plus soldiers who will receive these shoes and socks say thank you for your generosity. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Thank you so much for staying with me through that very brief break. Uh, obviously, got the Ron Edwards, Edwards Notebook. Got Dan Perkins with the Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. Uh, an older one, but still one worth revisiting. And, uh, you know, glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Um, want to take this opportunity to remind you also that uh, one of the things you have to be real careful about in this holiday season, and I hope you're digging the holiday uh, music in the background, you have to make sure that if you're going to stay healthy, which is a concern for everyone these days, that you stay clean. One of the best ways to stay clean right now, I promise you, is Hero Soap. Yeah, that's right. The Hero Soap Company is the top-notch America First company. Best I've run across. They're run by veterans. They donate as parts of their profits to organizations that help first responders and to help our military. Uh, they still run uh, specials where if you buy certain combinations that they turn around and send free soap to our men and women in uniform that are stationed abroad. They source everything uh, with American companies with American items as much as possible. So, again, you know, anything that can't be sourced in the United States is still sourced from American companies that are bringing it in. So, Hero Soap. I love these guys. They've got all kinds of great scents. If you haven't already checked them out, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, please go to the show description, uh, copy the whole link. Paste that into your browser and go visit them. And if you decide to make a purchase, just continue to do so while you're there under that link. And that way you get something that you want. You get to support a company that is definitely America first and that supports our veterans, supports our current active duty, and supports our first responders. And since you use that link, they know I sent you, so you're helping to support this show too. So please, please. You can go check out Hero Soap anytime you want to, but please use the description. Uh, use the link in the show description. I would greatly appreciate it. And if you're listening via terrestrial radio, by all means, uh, just visit me later at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com. Hit one of the banners for Hero Soap, and uh, that'll do the same thing. Or you can uh, check out the podcast later. Maybe you missed the first hour of today's show. Or maybe you're going to miss some of the bonus contact, because some bonus content, because something tells me I'm not going to make it within the time frames. So what I am going to do is remind you right now, that if you're listening via terrestrial radio and my time runs out for this time slot and you want to hear the rest of what I'm talking about, 
Come visit me at tappintothetruth.com or go to wherever you listen to podcasts. Track down Tap Into The Truth if you're not already listening, if you're not already a subscriber. Uh, and if you're not, go ahead and subscribe while you're there and then listen to the remainder of the bonus content. <sighs> That's a lot of words, isn't it? Okay. So again, Hero Soap. Great company. Now, uh, two stories I want to get to. I'm going to try to make one as short as possible, but this one is very noteworthy. A nonpartisan academic clearinghouse for government statistics has completely removed data on what happens to minors who cross the border illegally because it has determined that the data is, quote, too faulty to be trusted. And they say that the Biden administration has ignored its warning about the flaws in that data. The disappearance of 50,000 asylum files now is allowing the Biden administration to falsely report that its asylum backlog has been reduced this past year, when in fact it's remarkably grown, hugely grown. This according to Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse, T-R-A-C, or TRAC for short. That, of course, is affiliated with Syracuse University, in case you're wondering where their bona fides are from. Now, this and other problems with the data means that Americans cannot know how or if the Biden administration is dealing with the unprecedented deluge of illegal migrants that they created on day one of their presidency. Uh, quoting here, track has concluded that these flaws, as detailed, uh, are so serious that the resulting statistics based on these data are not an accurate or reliable indicator of the quantity or characteristics of juvenile cases currently being handled by the immigration courts. The public should be increasingly troubled by the indifference that the immigration courts have shown to these issues and should push for improved transparency and accountability. Ah, accountability with the government. Wouldn't that be nice? Now, the processing of migrants facing deportation is administered by the Executive Office for Immigration Review which is run currently by David Neal, who was appointed by Attorney General Merrick Garland, uh, everybody's favorite not Supreme Court justice. On October 15th, Track wrote to Neal, pointing out that the data was inaccurate, but the office didn't respond to the letter at all and subsequently published its juvenile tables without correcting any of its methodology. Now, Track receives a juvenile history file purporting to list all underage illegal migrants. But when it cross-referenced it with a list of court cases where families were seeking asylum, well, then Track found out that nearly nine out of the ten children in those families were missing from the list. When it's compared when they compared it to the court dockets from courts that solely hear cases of unaccompanied minors, it found that 29% of the migrants who came before the court were not listed in the juvenile history file. Meaning, plain and simple, that the juvenile history file is, well, let's be diplomatic and say, giving them the benefit of the doubt, it's incomplete. 
even the ages on the juvenile files didn't make sense. More than a third of the people in the juvenile history file were actually adults at the time their NCA was issued, meaning that, no, they haven't aged up to become adults. They haven't turned 18 while they were waiting. They were 18 or older when they were sent to the files to the court to be treated like juveniles. Well, I mean, that makes sense. The left uh, wants to treat all of us like children, don't they? Since, by definition, undocumented migrants may have little documentation, and those who are classified as under 18 are more likely to get to stay in the country, there's a strong incentive for these migrants to lie about their age. Uh, for example, in October, a 24-year-old Honduran named Yuri Noel Mandela Uola, I probably butchered the last name, uh, was charged with murder in Florida after telling U.S. border authorities in Texas that he was 17. So to understand the discrepancies in the juvenile classification, Track then asked the EOIR if it was using any outside data sets to confirm age. And wouldn't you know it, they weren't. Realized that uh, some asylum applications were going missing by comparing the files it obtained periodically from the government. When compared case by case, record by record with the previous month's data dump, Track received uh, all this information. Uh, they found the records would just disappear without an explanation. Track has repeatedly reached out to the agency but has not received any satisfactory explanation. And the reason for that is there is no satisfactory explanation. The reason is they can't handle it. They're not capable of doing their job. They don't know how to handle the border. They have no clue. All they know is they want as many illegals crossing the border as possible because it helps move their agenda forward. That's what they know. That's all they know. At the end of the day, they want this to go away because they are now finding out that even people who typically vote Democrat have had enough of the insanity on in the border. The media has stopped talking about it as much as they can, but it doesn't keep Democrats, especially Democrats in border states, from bringing it back up. There is no respect for the American citizen for these people. None. And so in order to try to make false claims, in order to try to make statements about how much they're improving and how they're catching up and how, oh, look, Joe Biden's actually much better. We're heading headlong into 2022. It's almost election time again. And in the midterms, we know that we're about to take a shellacking from the Republicans. We can't let that happen. So let's start manufacturing wins since we don't have any actual ones. They're literally, literally ignoring the fact that they got a ton of kids in cages type stories here. And now it's just like, eh, well, you know, we're, we're catching up on the backlog. Oh, there's not as many as there were a while ago. Yeah, just because you uh, throw some files through the shredder and now you're trying to ignore that these people came across, trying to get rid of all the evidence that these people ever had any interaction with the justice system that doesn't make it right let me remind all you listening kyah 540 am utah stock authority listen 
continue. And when we get shut off, I want to tell you, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Come check out Tap Into The Truth podcast to hear the rest of today's broadcast. Okay, now we're on bonus time. And I'm going to continue with the bonus time. This is a case of insanity, but it is typical business-as-usual leftist propaganda crap. It's bovine excrement of grade-A level. Just tossing away, tossing away. We're shredding the files. We're acting like these people were never in the system. This one watchdog group has been doing the due diligence and checking up on these folks, and it's been made clear that that's the intention. They're ignoring them. No, we're, we're not going to make any corrections to this. The methodology is working just fine because it's not a mistake. It's not a flaw. It's not a bug. It is the feature. The intention, the purpose is to whittle out the number of cases. And since they don't have the resources and would have to tell most of these people no in a legitimate asylum hearing anyway, they don't want to do any of that. They don't want to be responsible for sending these people back home. They just they don't want to be responsible for anything, evidently. They're not capable. The adults are not running the show. I mean, I don't care how old Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. looks. He's not an adult because, you know, he's not completely there, y'all. If you had any doubt, just listen to him try to, just, well, at this point, say almost anything. If he's talking more than five sentences, he has meandered off of the reservation. He can get three or four sentences out before he completely loses his train of thought. Squirrel. But that's it. All right. One more story. This is completely bonus story for those of you who have hung around. And I may revisit it for some of the folks that didn't. But you guys are going to be the first to know. And this is kind of a big story. I, I, I don't know why this isn't getting a little more attention. Because this, well... This is, uh, this might be Elon Musk type story. You know, uh, Elon Musk wants to go colonize Mars because he's trying to get off Earth before the singularity. Now, for those of you who are uninitiated into the lingo, the singularity in this reference, uh, it means when AI becomes totally self aware. Elon is concerned what happens to humanity at that time. Now, I myself tend to think that the AI will probably be used to help us get to Mars. So uh, I think it's going to follow us there if we go. I would think Elon would think that too. But the world's first living robots developed with AI and stem cells are now able to reproduce that's the headline. That's a big story. I'm not making it up. It's completely legit. You can find links to it at uh, organizations like The Blaze, uh, Daily Wire, uh, several others. Uh, it's out there. Now, scientists now are saying that the world's first living self-healing robots, known as uh, xenobots, can now reproduce in a way that's not been observed in plants or animals. 
researchers at the University of Vermont, Tufts University, and Harvard University's Wyss Institute for Biologically Inspired Engineering debuted these xenobots uh, formed from stem cells and African stem cells of African clawed frogs. They uh, debuted them back in 2020. Uh, they were even reported by CNN, uh, said that that year scientists insisted that the xenobots could not reproduce. So in other words, these little xenobots, they're fine. They're, they're basically alive, but what was that that Jeff Goldblum said in the first Jurassic Park movie? Mm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, they were so busy uh, trying to decide uh, what they could do, they didn't stop to think if they should. No, no, that's that, that is one of his lines, but that's not the one I'm thinking about. Um, life, uh, life will find a way. Yep, there's the one I'm looking for. One year after the Xenobots unveiling, one year, Michael Levin, co-lead author of a new research, uh, uh, as well as professor of biology and director of the Allen Discovery Center at Tufts University. Uh, yeah, that Michael Levin. Yeah, y'all know Michael. He said that he was astounded by the knowledge that the xenobots can reproduce. Quoting here, frogs have a way of reproducing that they normally use, but when you liberate the cells from the rest of the embryo and you give them a chance to figure out how to be in a new environment, not only do they figure out a new way to move, but they also figure out, apparently, a new way to reproduce. This is what Michael said, referencing the new study, which was published in a peer-reviewed scientific journal, PNAS, this past Monday. I mean, I'm sorry, I, I'm having flashbacks to the Jurassic Park movie again. Wasn't it frog DNA they used to fill in the gaps that allowed the, the dinosaurs on Isla Nubar to, to start reproducing even when they said that they couldn't? Yeah, we, we control the uh, population by controlling the sex of the dinosaurs. All vertebrates are inherently female. It takes a certain... Uh, introduction of hormones at certain stage of development. We just deny them that hormone. Keeps them all female. Keeps them from reproducing. Except those little dinos started having little dino babies, didn't they? Because they used frog DNA. And now, for these little xenobots, they used frog stem cells? African clawed frog stem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still frog, right? Now, according to a CNN report, and I, I, of course, you know, we have to follow the CNN reports because, you know, they, now they've indefinitely suspended, not Fredo, I mean, Chris Cuomo. So clearly, once again, journalistic standards are back at CNN. We can believe them now. Anyway, this past Monday, CNN did a follow-up report saying, uh, quoting from the report, C-shaped parent Xenobots collect and compress loose stem cells together into piles which can mature into offspring. Okay, sounds painful, but then I guess the way we reproduce can occasionally be painful too. So, hey, uh, 
every little xenobot uh, for himself there. Now, the study showed that xenobots uh, organisms can locate nearly uh, can locate nearby other single cells and assemble new xenobots, which will then in turn mature and begin the process of reproduction with other single cells once again. Uh, the organisms, which are said to be less than a millimeter wide, are designed on an AI mainframe and assembled by hand. The study researcher Douglas uh, Blackenstein, uh, he added to the conversation here, quote, people have thought for quite a long time that we've worked out all the ways that life can reproduce or replicate, but this is something that's never been observed before. Well, of course it's something that's never been observed before. You didn't have xenobots before. You didn't have these little nanotechnology AI mainframe built creatures that are made out of stem cells from frogs. No matter where you go from here, Elon Musk once again is being proven to be correct. And hey, this is coming from a guy who's written multiple published articles about how Elon Musk is irresponsible with taxpayer dollars. Maybe shouldn't be getting those taxpayer dollars. Uh, go check out my postings on social media to catch the links to those articles if you've missed them. But here I am saying maybe Elon's right about this because when the singularity occurs and these little xenobots have the ability to reproduce on their own already, well, once again, I, I'm going to circle back to Jeff Goldblum uh, in Jurassic Parking. Go back to that first line I was saying. That once again, these guys seemed like they were they were so busy trying to do what they could do. They didn't stop to think about whether or not they should do. And I think if the singularity is anything like what it's expected to be, uh, humanity's already at a disadvantage without giving them such an easy route to biologically reproduce. Scary stuff. Anyway, that's today's bonus material. <laughs> bonus story that strictly is only heard here at the podcast. So if you got to hear that today, yay. And you know what? I am going to keep that strictly here. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start adding, tacking on one extra story at the end to encourage all you guys to keep coming back. <laughs> That'll also encourage me to, to not be so rushed towards the end. Now, maybe I probably do need to speed up on occasion. But anyway, that's going to be it for today. For those of you that are here with the podcast, thank you so much once again for listening and for making it this far. You get a special prize. You get to hear one more of a bit of Christmas music. How's that for a prize? <laughs> In the meanwhile, guys, again, you know, please, whatever else you do, don't take my word for not one little bit of it, but please, please don't take their word at face value either. Be prepared to put in a little effort. I know it's hard, but you can do it. Put in a little effort, you know, to do your own research, but most importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, you guys stay safe out there, stay healthy, and, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. I'm out.